Hello and welcome to the Society of Petroleum Engineers Gulf Coast Section podcast. The section was founded in 1935 and now has over 11,000 members. It is a volunteer organization that provides member forums to upgrade and maintain professional competency. You can find more about the ongoing initiatives, webinars, events, and other member resources at spegcs.org. Thank you, and we hope you enjoy today's podcast. Hello and welcome to the SPE Gulf Coast Section podcast. I'm Michael Gaines, and thanks for joining us on this episode of our podcast as we jump into a topic that uh, really impacts many of us. But uh, for our podcast, we haven't had an opportunity to talk through the topic, and that is the aspect and space of M&A or mergers and acquisitions and talking a little bit about that and getting some expert insight. And so to be able to do that, uh, we have the opportunity to have a special guest with us here. Uh, we have Mr. Topi Ogunyami, who is an energy investment professional uh, with, uh, excuse me, is at the director at Juniper Capital, which is an energy private equity firm. So Topi, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So uh, I just want to read a little bit about your background for folks that might not be familiar. So again, you've, you're, you're almost at, at two decades of experience in the, the energy finance uh, space. Uh, so you currently work uh, and responsible for sourcing investment opportunities, technical commercial analysis, due diligence, uh, structuring negotiations, and, and many other aspects. Uh, and you've been able to to do that uh, quite quite well. I know that you were honored uh, as a, uh, a oil and gas investors forty under forty. Uh, that you're also a member of the AAPG and the SPWLA. Uh, your background is in geoscience from Missouri State University, the Master of Science in Petroleum geology from Oklahoma State University and an MBA with an emphasis in finance and energy from the University of Oklahoma. So it sounds like you uh, have both the, the technical background and, and almost all spades, it seems, which is, which is really, really neat. So we're, we're very uh, fortunate to, to have you. Uh, so I, I, I want to jump in, Topi, and uh, maybe just get a little bit of your background and perspective, excuse me, your perspective when we're talking through M&A. And I'd like to overlay that um, maybe as a, maybe starting maybe with a, a general approach. And then I'd like to talk about, you know, how that's changed looking through the lens of COVID. So, so maybe we can have table stakes, uh, you know, for folks like myself, I find M&A to be this very interesting yet to a certain degree, maybe mysterious space, right? It's like, well, how does how does it go from you know I have I I, I can see a synergy or or I can see some congruence of of a need to you know you you've executed and and I'm not going to make you do a a full 101 today, but but I think there are a lot of folks uh, within our SPE community who who uh, would would appreciate some of your your insight. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate you having me uh, on here again. You know, I think it's I think we're all aware it's been a very 
challenging year uh, through COVID and, you know, glad to, to see everything slowly coming back to normal. Um, glad to see folks, um, you know, back uh, being active and, and, and everybody um, healthy and, and getting back to work. Um, so just 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 happy to see all that happening. Uh, specific to, to kind of the M&A space and, and kind of my background, really, I think it would be helpful to kind of a quick, I know you already kind of walked through it, but just a quick snapshot of my background, because I think it kind of um, is helpful towards like the way I, I look at the world when it comes to M&A and A&D and, and some of that ex- historical background is helpful in, in how I tackle things and, and how we actually look at it at, at Juniper. So as you mentioned, you know, majority of my background, I started on the operational side as a geologist, petrophysicist, uh, working for, you know, some of the larger operators across uh, lower 48. I also did some some uh, work in the Gulf, deep water Gulf of Mexico as well. Um, in that time, I got to, you know, gain experience from, you know, planning wells to drilling, executing, exploration, uh, production, some reservoir engineering, and, and got to see petroleum economics, got to see the whole kind of gambit of, um, you know, running an oil and gas company. Um, in that, I wanted to get more of the investing business side of the industry. And so I went and got my MBA, uh, with, like you mentioned, with an emphasis in energy and finance. And uh, through that time, I transitioned into energy investment banking, where I got a lot of reps and experience in the A&D M&A space, got to do a lot of deals, look at a lot of deals, work with boards and, and, and executives and kind of get the perspective of, you know, how the buyers and sellers um, view assets and the different perspectives and, and, and how to kind of create value. And, you know, as I continue to gain that experience, um, you know, it kind of really sparked my interest on the investing side. Like, how do I combine that technical experience that I've had in the past to identify, um, you know, opportunities from an investing standpoint and create value in those opportunities or enhance the value from those opportunities. And so that's kind of how I got to Juniper Capital several years back now. Uh, it's been been a fun ride, continuing to enjoy the team. Uh, really great mix of folks that have a, a really uh, complementary background where we've got folks that are kind of technical in background. We have folks with finance, legal, um, you know, banking, and and what's really cool uh, here that we're really integrated. So we don't do the hey, this is the finance team, corporate fin team, this is the technical team. Where we have an investment team, and you know, we all have different strengths or, or different kind of core skill sets. But you know, each member of the team is required to understand the the, the full process of of doing a deal and executing and managing the portfolio, working with management teams, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so that that has been very helpful. So when you put that together to I'll, I'll speak about, you know, just on a broad level, how we look at deals and then I'll speak to kind of this last year. Um, you know, we try to look for deals that from our standpoint, that could be a creative where we feel like we can achieve, um, you know, through managing the assets in our in our portfolio uh, management teams, you know, uh, attractive risk adjusted returns right and so in doing so we're underwriting these assets we have to feel comfortable with the costs that are coming in so you know analyzing the los analyze analyzing the loe fixed costs operating costs etc but then also really being comfortable as we kind of forecast uh, um, the production you know so you get comfortable around your production forecast comfortable around what kind of price deck are you using are you using strip or using some kind of fixed deck 
getting comfortable around that and understanding, you know, what, what are the risks associated with, with, with us being able to achieve that production forecast or, you know, achieve those, those, those OPEX costs. And then are we seeing low hanging fruit for where we can drive costs even lower relative to the previous team or previous owner of the asset? And so you put those together um, and then, you know, couple that with a really strong management team. We work side by side and really act as uh, um, uh, kind of like partners, right? And so where um, our management teams are experts, they have the expertise, technical expertise, financial expertise. They see us as an additional resource where we can collaborate when we're looking at new deals or even when we're drilling wells, um, we're able to give feedback and work really as one unit. And we found that to be very impactful uh, not only when we're looking at acquisitions, but also executing on, on the kind of business plan. Um, so overall in the M&A space, or really A&D space, and I'll talk M&A in a second, but in the A&D space, it has to be accretive. We have to feel that we can achieve the risk-adjusted returns, as I mentioned, and we have to be able to see a clear line of sight to how we can drive costs down or even increase production as well. Um, in the last year when COVID happened, and I would say we've been doing this prior, but when COVID happened, I would say we kicked it to the next gear. So we recognize that, you know, you know, and a lot of our team members have been in the space for a long time. And, you know, we, we recognize that the, the industry is cyclical, right? And you have to be opportunistic sometimes in, in, in these type of environments where, uh, you know, maybe there's not a lot of activity and valuations may go down a little bit. And so we see that as an opportunity to kind of look for, you know, higher high quality assets and see if we can get them at, at really good um, valuations. And so what we did was as soon as everything started, we got, I feel like we got to work. I mean, we've always been working, but we really focused on kind of going through, you know, all the lists of operators and it became very clear you know, when you look at the different operators, as they got pressure from Wall Street to get more cost efficient, to, you know, bring in more ESG, which we value as well, a lot of them started looking at shedding assets, you know, to get more efficient. There might be some assets, even though they are core, um, they may not be contiguous with their, you know, the majority of their operations. And so to that operator, you know, it's a small asset. It's not that critical for them to have it. And if they can shed that off and streamline what they have, it'll make sense. And so what we did was we just went through several of those operators and, you know, identified those assets, did the technical work to support the, you know, production, the cost, et cetera, et cetera. And we started calling, started calling people, you know, Hey, you want to sell this? You know, yeah. we noticed you, you haven't put a rig on this in the last year or two years. Um, and you know, majority of majority of them said buzz off. Um, yeah. but, <laughs> <laughs> which it sounds like that's a, that, that is a requirement of the job is exactly. having a little, little tough skin yeah. and being able yeah. to take they're no. like, they're like yeah. yeah, buzz off. Um, yeah. But, but there were a few that we had some really good dialogue and um, in time, you know, because I think when it first was happening, one, you know, you couldn't get wrap your head around what pricing was going to look like because things were moving pretty quickly, which was understandable. Um, so there was a lot of negotiations, conversations happening. But again, because we had done all the homework before where we really understood the technical merits of the asset, um, if things came online, we were like ready to go. It wasn't like it was our first rodeo show. We knew exactly, you know, where the core is, where the, you know, we've done all the geological mapping, built the type curves, we feel comfortable around costs. So we're able to move quickly because we spent like the first half of 2020 doing a lot of that work. 
um, so as the second half of 2020 came, as we moved into November too, when um, you know the vaccines came out and people started, you know, getting comfortable around what you know you can use for the strip price for oil, we started to see more deals come our way. Mm. And so with that, you know, a lot of those conversations we had early on, even some of those operators that said buzz off, um, came back. And and uh, through that process, uh, we were able to get. Um, a handful of deals done um, over the last kind of six months um, that were really accretive for us, beneficial to the company, because again, they were able to streamline their assets and focus on their kind of core operations. Um, some of those were bolt on for some of our teams um, where we can kind of bring that into the fold, drive costs down and create even more value. And even today, we're already starting to see that where we've been able to increase production and drive costs lower for some of those deals that, you know, we did just in the last few months. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when you, and and so I I think it's really interesting to hear uh, some of the perspectives that you've been able to really uh, combine again from the, uh, the, the geoscience standpoint and the, uh, uh, the, the very core energy uh, components of your background, and then hearing how that can, Play a role, uh, especially as you uh, couple that with the the finance side. I, I you know, a, a lot of folks that are are listening, um, I, I know, have some level of of a uh, either a geoscience or or petroleum engineering background or, or or something in that in that space. Can you just briefly talk about it? I don't I don't mean to make a, a divergence, but I'm thinking through and listening to you. Can you talk a little bit about that 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 transition that that you made and and how that um, was for you personally? I know that everyone's experience and, and, and road is different, but I know that there have to be a handful of folks that are listening saying, Hey, you know, I've, I've been thinking about, you know, that transition, or I have an interest in leveraging, you know, X number of years of experience that I have, uh, and, and maybe making that, uh, that pivot. Can you just talk a little bit about that? Cause I always find that that be an interesting, uh, interesting item. No, absolutely. That's a really good question. So um, one of the things that I did, and I've always done this is, um, you know, if you if you if you're trying to go somewhere right in a lot of things in life, you're not the first person to do it. It's been done before. And so like, I'm a big fan of like, go reach out to people that are doing what you like to do. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, for the last since the beginning of my career, I'm very good for networking with people, contacting people on LinkedIn. Again, majority might tell you buzz off, Um, but there might be a few that, you know, hey, my name is this and, you know, I've been watching your career. I looked at your profile and you're doing this and this is something I'd like to do. You know, do you mind sharing, you know, sparing like five minutes of your time to, you know, help me think through, you know, my career next moves. Mm -hmm. And, And there were a handful of people that will engage with me and have those conversations. Um, but through that process, I was able to kind of, for, for me specifically, learn that, you know, as I grew in the tech, in my technical experience, which again, primarily was in geoscience, I wanted to get more, um, to get in the investment side, I realized that at least the folks that came before me that had done it, a lot of them had a lot of uh, A&D experience, acquisition and investiture experience. So being able to find your way into your business development or A&D group at your operating company. Uh, was one of the the first steps to take. And and a lot of times to do that, 
Um, sometimes it's just being aware of those roles, talking to your manager, hey, you know, I'm interested in learning more about this or being helpful in a particular deal, even if you're not directly involved, but you're at least participating and people see that interest. So I know I started doing that to where I started getting some of that experience while I was at Marathon, while I was at Anadarko. I also went ahead and got my MBA because I recognized that, you know, this whole industries and we're, we're always learning, right? And so I, I felt like you learn on the job, but getting some of that formal education was very helpful for me and having peers in my class classes that were, you know, doing the same thing I was doing, or I had some, some folks in my class that were, you know, going into investment banking. We had some um, uh, professionals coming from private equity and give talks. I was able to network with them. That ability to network and just share experiences with other people kind of opened my eyes to, you know, the world and, and the kind of opportunities that were out there. So I would say it was, you know, networking, looking at the paths of folks that have done it before you and trying to see how you can navigate, you know, through a similar career path. Mm -hmm. um, and then getting those tools that are needed to, to, to get to those next levels. So for me, it was first get into a, a business development A&D role at, at an operator, get the MBA so you get that formal education. And honestly, the MBA, in my experience, also, at least at an operator, acts as a signal. Like mm -hmm. a lot of people will tell you, like, what's the value of an MBA? I think it's all dependent on the individual, what you get out of it. Um, but for me, I know it was helpful for the formal education, but it was a signal that, hey, I wanted to kind of expand my knowledge beyond just, you know, my core operational uh, expertise. Mm. And so as I got that BD experience, I realized that, okay, now I need to see more deals. I did uh, quite a few deals uh, at Anadarko, but you're limited to the company and the deals that that company wants to do. So an investment bank um, that does A&D M&A in, in the energy space, it's a perfect opportunity to see more deals. And so I was able to network with folks that um, were in that space and they're like, hey, talk to this guy, talk to this person. Um, if there's a role opening up, we'll let you know. And, you know, through that process, it took some time. I was able to, you know, find an opportunity and start out in, in the investment banking space. And that's where, again, I got a lot of experience again. And as you're doing that, I think it's very important to make sure that you're doing a really good job. Make sure you're killing it. At the end of the day, make sure you're doing a good job because what happens is, as you're gaining experience in those roles, you're interacting with people. And like, for example, in investment banking, you're interacting with the executives that are selling the assets. You're interacting with, you know, senior bankers, you're interacting with private equity. And if people recognize you as somebody that is talented or has the quality and skills that can create value, like people notice and people mm -hmm. talk, mm -hmm. right? So as you're networking and you're making sure you're, you're, you're doing a good job um, executing, some of those roles start to open. Again, I recognize, especially right now, it's a challenging time. Um, things are difficult, but I would say, you know, still continue to network. Like I see some folks that only network when they're looking for something mm. and people can read through that, right? Like, mm -hmm. you know, I recognize what I wanted to do and I would network with people like long before I wanted to make a move, just kind of getting that relationship started, learning from them. Hey, let's meet for coffee. Um, you know, things like that and having like try to build a genuine relationship with people. And when you do that, if an opportunity comes up, they can, you know, hey, I know this person that's looking, you know, talk to them. Right. Um, so that was something that I felt was very helpful for me. So I think finding the blueprint of somebody that's done it before, you know, figure out if you can take a similar path, you know, make sure you're getting the experience, learning whether that's formal through your, your job 
try and find those roles where you can learn and grow those skill sets, do a good job, and, and then just continue to network. Um, and if you do that, I think you just make it easier for you. Again, it's still a tough time, but I think it's it, you create more opportunities doing that. At least for me, that that I know that's been very helpful. Mm. Network, speak up, and and do a good job. I, I think you yep. just created a new bumper sticker, so I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll order one when you make it. But but yeah, no, I, I hear you. Yeah, and that that is that's really good. And I, I think uh, yeah, one of the one of the things um, you know we all have have career uh, uh, you know cycles. We're talking about the cyclicality of the you know oil and gas space, and and I think even from a, a career standpoint, I mean, I can even say you know at, at one point when. Uh, yeah, I, I was looking for work and, and, you know, I was volunteering and I was doing some work that wasn't in my core wheelhouse, but to your point, you know, folks said, Hey, even though I know that this isn't where he wants to be, look, is, is to let the work speak for itself. And yeah. I, I think that's a, that's a wise, a wise uh, piece of advice. Um, so, so I know that we're, uh, going to round out our conversation, but I, I wanted to, uh, get your perspectives on younger uh, and junior, excuse me, SPE members. So we have the uh, opportunity with the Gulf Coast section to have a wide array of, of folks that are coming from you know, many disciplines and, uh, and also you know, different, different spaces. Uh, for those that are, uh, are newer to uh, SPE, or maybe even um, uh, in the early stages of developing their career, uh, you know, they might look at look at you and say, "Man, that's great!" You know, forty under forty, which is which is quite an achievement and, and certainly well well deserved. Uh, but as as they're starting to look ahead, what are what are some things and, and thoughts that you would share with them? I think what we've talked about already has been spot on. You know, doing doing good work regardless of where you are in your career is applicable to. I think all of us, uh, you know, networking is is certainly applicable to to all of us as as well. Uh, what what are some thoughts though that that you would have that might be uh, relevant to again some of those those earlier career junior SPE members? Yeah, um, I would say, you know, something that's worked for me, and I speak for myself, and and you know, I have some some uh, mentees that I work with and mentors that work with me, and and one of the things that I think has been very helpful is trying to expand your skill set. So, you know, get really good at what you know and know that well. Become the expert, you know, in that lane that you're in, whether you're a drilling engineer or you're a production engineer, reservoir engineer, you know, focus on that and get really good at it. You know, learn, 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 keep learning, but then also don't be afraid to expand. So as an example, like I mentioned, I'm a geologist, petrophysicist by background. I had the opportunity um, to take a role in reservoir engineering where a lot of a lot of my peers at the time were like, I don't want to do that. And, and I'm not knocking people for that. But for me, I, I wanted to learn more about that side because I was able to take that experience and that knowledge and tie it to my geology and understand better you know, how we're creating value when we're underwriting assets. And so I think, you know, Get really good at what you're doing. Keep growing in your skill set in your in your lane, but don't be afraid to branch out a little bit. Don't be afraid to take a a short term like, hey, can I can I take a, a, a you know whether it's a geo training? I'm a, I'm a drilling engineer, but I want to better understand 
geosteering and wellbore placement. And so I take a petrophysics course. Can I, can I do a stint with the petrophysics team for a few months? And, and again, you know, your management might not be supportive of that upfront, but if they recognize, if they see that you're trying to learn and maybe there's opportunities for you to create value. So maybe again, you're, you're a completions engineer and you're learning a little bit of petrophysics and now you're given some feedback as to how you're placing your stages depending on reservoir quality. And some of the reason why you're able to do that is because, hey, I've been hanging out with the petrophysicist or something. Mm. You know, mm. people start to recognize that and they're like, hey, if this person's gonna add more value, your company or management a lot of times will be supportive of you getting that knowledge because at the end of the day, you know, they're focused on creating value. Mm. So I would say that that's 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 some of the key things that I know have been helpful for me and hopefully uh, could be helpful for the younger members. Well, I think that is a great way to round out our conversation. Been speaking with Mr. Topi Oganyami, who is a director at Juniper Capital. And uh, we've been talking on uh, perspectives in the M&A environment, uh, in oil and gas, uh, COVID considerations, and uh, considerations on career progression and perspectives for junior SPE members. So, uh, Topi, I appreciate your time, and I'm, I'm assuming that if folks want to uh, want to take you up on on your offer, that that you're a, a LinkedIn uh, LinkedIn kind of guy. I, I suspect. Absolutely, reach out on LinkedIn. I yeah. may say buzz off, but <laughs> I'm just kidding. You can reach out to me on LinkedIn. Yeah. Uh, shoot me a note. I'm happy to to help. Sure. Uh, people were there for me, helped me out, continue to help me through my career. So I'm happy to to do the same. Right on. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks, Topi. Appreciate it. Thank you, man. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Society of Petroleum Engineers Gulf Coast Section podcast. If you'd like to learn more about any of the upcoming events or resources available, or if you'd like to share your thoughts on this episode and have suggestions for future topics, feel free to contact us at spegcspodcast at spe.org.